Welcome to the Cloud Pod, where the forecast is always cloudy. We talk weekly about all things AWS, GCP, and Azure. We are your hosts, Justin, Jonathan, Ryan, and Peter. Episode 124, recorded on June 30th, 2021. The Cloud Pod now with millions of bugs. Good evening, Peter. How's it going? Hey, doing well. How are you? Good, good. You know, it's the uh, last day of Ju- June, and we're heading into July, and I, I just don't know where the year has gone, but I, I also have lost a sense of time. So I'm kind of glad the first six months of this year are over. I feel like those were not great months anyway, and now we can move forward, hopefully, without spinning our wheels. I mean, yeah. I mean, the first half of the year was full of, you know, all kinds of terrible atrocities that happened. And the second half of the year can be, you know, forest fires and other atrocities. So, yeah, you're right. It's going to be great. I can't look, I can't wait to look forward <laughs> to that. Um, yeah, but I, I got a little traveling in, I, you know, I've done little things this week. So it's been, uh, it's been overall good. But, uh, you know, busy, busy week as well. And, and I just, I don't know if it's just getting busier because of, pan, after, you know, after pandemic or if it's just always been this busy and I just didn't notice. I don't, I'm not really sure, <laughs> but it definitely feels like time is flying by. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we've seen things, uh, people going from wait and see mode to all of a sudden feel like they're missing the boat on all sorts of business initiatives. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because we it's very often that when we talk about economic downturn, that companies you know go from first to third, and companies that were in third and fourth place go to first place in in down economies. Uh, it's almost like it seems like the pandemic kind of is the same thing. You're like, yeah, it wasn't necessarily an economic downfall for everybody, but it was you know the people who kind of held up, stopped investing money, really tried to be careful. They're kind of all behind. <laughs> they're all now trying to radically catch up as fast as possible. So. Well, Ryan is going to try and join us here. He uh, was having some problems. He sounded a lot like Max Headroom earlier. It was a good impression. Uh, so he's doing an update on his Mac. And after it's been sitting there at one minute for about 10 minutes, we said, well, we're going to start without you <laughs> and hope for the best. So we hope that John is going to join us. Uh, hopefully he'll join us before lighting round. Uh, but we are going to get started without him uh, and see if he joins us here in a few minutes. So. Uh, first, Amazon has announced AWS Bug Bust, the world's first global competition to find and fix one million software bugs. Which, you know, that's a pretty bold statement to say that Amazon has a million bugs in their software. <laughs> I don't know of anybody. Well, that's not really what it is. But uh, I don't think they're talking about Amazon bugs. They are not. Uh, so Amazon is introducing the Bug Bust Challenge, the world's first global competition for developers to collectively eliminate one million software bugs in their code. <laughs> With just a few clicks, developers from around the world can join the challenge by creating an AWS Bug Bust event for their organization in the Amazon code console and compete for prizes and prestige by identifying and fixing bugs in their applications. Uh, by fixing those bugs and achieving cost savings for the organization, developers climb the AWS Bug Bus leaderboard to receive uh, achievement badges, exclusive prizes, and a chance at an all-expenses-paid pe- trip to Amazon reInvent 2021. Uh, overall, the goal is to eliminate 1 million software bugs and $100 million in technical debt. Uh, and there's a quote here from Swami Siva Saramian, uh, I apologize if I butchered that, VP of Amazon Machine Learning at AWS. Hundreds of thousands of AWS customers are building and deploying new features to applications each day at high velocity and managing complex com- code at high volumes. It's difficult to get time for skilled developers to quickly perform effective code reviews since they're busy building, innovating, and pushing out deployments. Today, we're excited to announce an entirely new approach to help developers improve code quality, eliminate bugs, and boost application performance while saving millions of dollars in application resource costs. And with the AWS Bug Bus Challenge, developers can use Amazon Code Guru to spend less time finding common coding mistakes and more time having fun and competing to improve their applications and save their companies a lot of money. Uh, if you are participating in this, you can sign this up for your private event or public event. 
uh, the bugs that you're fixing and what they are will not actually go to the leaderboard, so no one will see those. Uh, but you do have to be using CodeGuru Reviewer and CodeGuru Profiler, which identifies the bugs and how many points they're worth uh, to the global leaderboard. Uh, if you earn 100 points, uh, you get a Century Club t-shirt for Bug Bust. If you earn 2,000 points, you get a Bug Bust varsity jacket. And if you earn 10,000 points, you win a Bug Bust trophy. And if you're in the top 10 on the entire global leaderboard, you get that all-expenses-paid trip to reInvent 2021. The only catch on this one is uh, CodeGuru Code Reviewer and CodeGuru Profiler only work with Python and Java. So if you have a .NET app, which is really buggy, mm-hmm. uh, we're out luck for you on this one. Sorry. Sorry, Charlie. I think it's a kind of a fun idea. Um, good way to generate interest in your products, CodeGuru and uh, Reviewer and Profiler. Uh, it be interesting to see if they get a really uh, aggressive uptake. I wonder if they're going to be able to tell how many new customers they got, not just existing CodeGuru customers, but new CodeGuru customers with this. Yeah, I, you would assume that some quantity of customers are probably going to try CodeGuru for the very first time to potentially participate in this. Um, they did say for that during this, you know, this, during this contest, um, you get the CodeGuru reviewer and CodeGuru profiler for 30 days for free. Um, so you can try it out uh, before you have to pay for it. But uh, don't forget to turn it off if you're not using it because it can get a little bit pricey. <laughs> but uh, you know, overall, if you can save your company money and you can you know, d- or eliminate some tech debt, it's a good effort. Um, I do kind of wonder, you know, the, the value of that top 10 prize, you know, is, is probably around you know four or five thousand dollars all in. You know, for all expenses paid, uh, you do sort of wonder like how you know I could probably game this pretty well <laughs> if I yeah. had oh. you know a bunch of really bad Python and Java code that I already knew about. I could put them into repos. I already have fixes ready to go. I could point bug CodeGuru reviewer and CodeGuru profiler at it. So I'm not exactly sure how they're going to avoid cheating uh, a little bit on this, or how people might gamify this to in their advantage. Because um, I'm, I'm not sure it's entirely difficult, <laughs> but uh, it would definitely be definitely be interesting. I'm sure they have some type of controls for that, and they've thought about that. But it definitely was kind of my question. In my head is like, I wonder if I could take Ryan's code and just use that, and then just gamify it a little bit. <laughs> just <laughs> go back, to- yeah. Just go back like a year year old commits, and then just replay commits one after the next as you as bugs are magically fixed. Well, that would be unethical. So I hope it would uh, not be ethical. Hope I, would, I don't straight. recommend it. Yeah, don't yeah. definitely don't do that. But uh, I definitely could see that there's an opportunity for those type of problems. All right. Well, up next is uh, you know at reInvent, uh, Amazon announced the GA of EMR on EKS, which is the ability to run EMR clusters on top of uh, Kubernetes. Uh, which with this new deployment method for EMSR that allowed customers to automate the provisioning and management of Apache Spark on EKS. And now you can use customized images for EMR on EKS that allow customers to modify the Docker runtime image that runs their analytics applications using Apache Spark on EKS. And with customizable images, you can create a container that contains both your application and its dependencies based on the performance-optimized EMR Spark runtime using your own CI pipeline and reducing the time to build the image and helps predicting container launches for local development or testing. And there's no additional charges for using the custom images. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you're reducing time to build images, that's a good thing. Otherwise, it's a fully managed service. I don't see why the users would care. Yeah, it, it, without having the ability to run my own container, I don't know why I would run it on my own Kubernetes, other than potentially for cost savings reasons. If I, you know, was doing bare metal or had really big containers, maybe um, I'm sure there's, you know, I'm sure there's a very valid use case for this one. I'm just not sure. Yeah, it's good to have choices. I get, yeah. I mean, I just imagine. I guess. There's a bunch of people who have invested a ton in tooling that allows them to launch other workloads on EKS, and they just want to leverage the same tooling. Yeah, for sure. Well, just in time for bug bash, uh, Amazon has also updated the code guru uh, to allow you to now natively integrate with the tools you use for every day to package and deploy your code. 
uh, making it even easier to game the system. This new CI/CD experience allows you to trigger code quality and security analysis as a step in your build process using GitHub Actions. And although CodeGuru Reviewer Console still serves as an analysis hub for all your onboarded repositories, the new CI/CD experience allows you to integrate CodeGuru Reviewer more deeply with your favorite source code management and CI/CD tools. And that's not all, though. They're now also releasing 20 new security detectors for Java to help you identify even more security issues in your Java code. That's good. Keep up the pace. It's so funny how uh, uh, GitHub Actions was such a sneak attack into the CD space. So many people are using it so quickly. Well, and it just came out of nowhere, right? <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it was like GitHub is you know really doing well. They're doing great as a company. Here's GitHub Actions, and then you know like couple, I think it was maybe a month later, or so Microsoft bought them, and so everyone got distracted by oh my god, GitHub's going to get destroyed by Microsoft and their acquisition of it. Uh, and then, you know, Microsoft hasn't really hurt GitHub in any way. They continue to invest pretty heavily in GitHub Actions, made it a broad platform, and everyone's kind of, you know, most people I know who've tried it are loving it. Yeah, us too. Have you guys, uh, have you seen customers want to converting uh, convert from Jenkins yeah. or other things? That's great. We've, we've got some converting from other platforms. We've got several that are just doing new initiatives that are moving straight to GitHub Actions, and then we have moved to it. Uh, internally, I think we talked about Travis CI when they got bought um, last year sometime, uh, and they actually been changing a lot of the terms uh, for open source projects. So a lot of open source projects that ran to Travis um, at one point in the past are now running back to GitHub Actions as well, just because the new Travis CI um, terms are pretty onerous for open source projects uh, and pretty expensive. So, you know, kind of what we predicted would happen with Travis CI is sort of playing out that. Um, it's not going to end well, and it doesn't sound like it's ending well, uh, which I'm glad there's good alternatives, though. It's funny. I mean, I, I had the same sort of initial negative reaction when I heard that Microsoft bought GitHub. But I mean, if you think about it, that's the type of company that can afford to invest and not have to immediately or even in the long term directly monetize all of those features for profit. Instead, you know, getting the benefit of um, of you know being more involved in the community, so it's. It, I mean, we shouldn't be afraid of those things, I guess, in the future. Uh, well, Amazon made an acquisition this last week. Uh, they bought a company called Wicker, uh, W I C K R, because they apparently couldn't afford to buy the vowel before. Uh, but apparently, Wicker uh, is a company I've never heard of, but they're an innovative company that has been has developed the industry's most secure end-to-end encrypted communication technology. And with Wicker, customers and partners benefit from advanced security features not available with traditional messaging. Uh, this is a big, apparently public sector customers are a big user of Wicker today for a diverse range of missions from securely communication, uh, secure communication with office space employees to providing service members at the tactical edge with encrypted communications. Uh, enterprise customers can use Wicker to keep comms between employees and business partners private or remaining compliant with regulatory requirements. And AWS is offering Wicker services immediately, and Wicker customers, channel, and business partners can continue to use Wicker service as they do today. So, no major disruptions there. So it kind of asks the question, like, why is uh, AWS buying this? <laughs> yeah. Is this Jedi-related in some way? Like, oh, well, if we own your messaging platform and we can embed that into our system, then, you know, one more reason to Jedi should come to AWS? Or is this, you know, they really feel this is something they need? Because they already have Chime, which is a messaging solution as well. Now, it's not highly secure. I don't think it's highly encrypted end-to-end. Um, but you know, ultimately, like, what is the real play here? I, I'm not really sure. Yeah, it feels like they're they're enhancing Chime, or they're enhancing their their uh, their you know, enterprise and, and public sector uh, application suites, and just move, continuing to move up the stack to offer those full solutions. It'll probably fit really well with all the call center stuff too. I'd imagine. I mean, it has a lot of really interesting features. Just looking at you know Wicker Pro. 
which is they call it the free secure collaboration for the enterprise. It has one-to-one messaging. It has group messaging for up to 500 members. You get audio calling for up to 70 participants, video calling for up to 70 participants. You can broadcast and live stream up to 500 participants. There's screen sharing, file sharing, location sharing, message expiration settings for up to a year, burn on read timers, and then federation to other Wicker uh, systems as well as administrative controls, SSO, and uh, ma- uh, MDM integrations as well as onboarding and 24-7 support available. And then if you go with a Wicker Enterprise, you get all of that, plus you get self-hosting capability and fully customizable so you can actually host it on your own Amazon EC2 instance or in your own private data center. So it's definitely an interesting product. Um, again, I, I'm not entirely sure what the real end game here is, but definitely interesting. Yeah, maybe they'll... Maybe it'll just completely replace Tram. I would not complain <laughs> about <Yeah>. that. <laughs> they do have an interesting comparison chart, you know, with all the things they do versus everybody else. Uh, you know, one of those classic uh, vendor, you know, vendor charts with yes nos on it, and uh, you know, they're the only ones, of course, has all the yeses. But uh, you know, pretty interesting how they feel. They're you know much more secure, and it's interesting that it actually uses it at the the military edge. That's uh, pretty pretty impressive from a security perspective. It's funny they don't have Chime in the list. Of services that they, they, they maybe. I mean, I didn't get to this website before the acquisition. They had been like, no, no, you got to take that down. Yeah. <laughs> we own you now. Um, but uh, yeah, Teams is in here for sure, as well as uh, Slack. And you know, the Teams apparently, but neither Teams nor uh, Slack are end-to-end encrypted. Which I thought they did have some end-to-end encryption, but apparently not. Uh, so there you go. Well, next up, uh, you can simplify the building of serverless applications with AWS-supported container images for continuous integration systems, uh, making your continuous integration tasks easier than ever before. Uh, container images now work natively with continuous integrations such as CloudBees CI Jenk- uh, CI/CD Jenkins product, GitLab CI/CD, GitHub Actions, Circle CI, and AWS CodeBuild. This makes it easier to build and package serverless applications using SAM, a developer tool that makes it easier to build locally and test, package, and deploy serverless applications. Uh, which is, you know, continuing to build out that ecosystem around serverless to more natively integrated to your continuous integration system is just smart mo- smart money by AWS. Oh yeah, definitely. They're They've been, it's amazing how serverless, I mean, serverless has got a long way to go, I think, from an adoption standpoint, but I mean, it's been around a long time now. That basic framework's been around now for, God, how many years? We'll see if uh, it continues to get that uptake. Sort of got, sort of slowed down when people started going with just pure container orchestration systems. So it'd be fun to watch these two, uh, Kubernetes-based versus serverless, continue down the path. Well, let's hear from one of our fantastic sponsors. Hey everyone, Jonathan here. I just wanted to take a minute to thank the cloud consulting gurus at Foghorn for helping make the cloud pod possible. These folks truly get it. Cloud consulting experts since 2008, they are premier tier partners with AWS, Google Cloud Platform Silver, and Microsoft Azure partners. From multi-cloud to containers to moving full production workloads to the cloud under the tightest compliance, Foghorn's team of full-stack cloud engineers have been there, done that, gotten the t-shirt, and are ready to share their experience with you. If you're in the market for some talent to supplement your team, visit www.fogops.io slash thecloudpod. www.fogops.io slash thecloudpod. Foghorn, the promise of cloud delivered. All right, well, back to the show here at GCP. You can now get the top 25 Google search terms now in BigQuery. 
Uh, Google announcing the preview availability of a new public data set for Google Trends. For the first time, they're bringing Google-owned search data into Google Cloud data sets for convenient analysis of BigQuery or for other or for your through your favorite business intelligence tool like Tableau. The Google Trends data set has always been available for WPP agency data teams. And with this available to you now via BigQuery and Analytics Hubs, you can start unlocking highly targeted campaigns against this data uh, and take advantage of trends that are happening in the Google search uh, ecosystem in near real time. So that's that's actually really cool. I didn't realize that data set wasn't available in BigQuery. Uh, but I know, you know when you're curious what the pulse of America is sometimes or the pulse of the world, just going and looking at that data right now, uh, what's trending on Google search is just always fascinating to me. I know. I want to know what the top 25 words are right now. I'm a little worried that if I go see that, I'm never going to do anything else of any use ever again. I could probably spend all day. It's amazing. Ryan! Oh, I'm back, guys. Hey, hey, yeah. hey. We were just we were just bad mouthing you during the ad read that uh, you know you shouldn't update your software right before a podcast maybe next time. Well, I updated it because I couldn't connect. Right, not, that's a good yeah, point. That's true. That's fair. Well, you missed you missed riveting stories such as AWS Bug Bust and uh, Wicker. So you'll have to watch the replay of that for our amazing insights. I think I'm gonna you know sort of bug bust bounty on my laptop and see if we can get a million bugs fixed on this thing. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, I, I, so my plan was to take your Python code, and I was just going to check it in and then put basically point bug bash at it. And then since you've already fixed most of your errors, I'm just going to apply those as my bug fixes to rack up free points. That's my plan. Yeah. What do you think my plan is? <laughs> it's exactly that. Yeah, see, there are many, many ways to skin that cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll split, we'll split the money. There you go. Well, it's, a, it's just a free ticket to reinvent if you're in the top 10. So it's, it's a key thing. Step one, create all the bugs. Step two, solve all the bugs. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, we haven't really talked about the Tau VMs very often uh, here at Google. We announced when they we talked about when they first got announced, but basically these are four new classes of machines uh, for the general purpose, compute optimized, memory optimized, and accelerate optimized family. Think about this is like really going from uh, a C four to a C five class. You know, this is they're all brand new, latest third generation AMD Epic processors. Uh, and so Google wanted to tell us five things you might not have known about the Tau VMs. Since I hadn't talked about it in a while, I thought I'd share them with you. Uh, first, the T2D VMs are built on the latest third-generation AMD Epic processors, which I just mentioned. So you already knew that, but that's the first thing I want you to know. The VMs are well-suited for cloud-native and scale-out workloads, which I would hope they would be since they're in the cloud. <laughs> that's what I would build cloud-native on top of. Uh, the VMs win against other major cloud providers on absolute performance and price performance. Now, I don't know what absolute performance is, and uh, I'm not exactly sure how they're defining it here, but apparently they think they're better than everybody else, so I expect to see a, T- a C6 series or, or Oracle to deny this vehemently in the future at their next conference. Uh, you have Google Kubernetes engine support from day one, which I technically think any VM from any provider does, just, you know, it just this Google Kubernetes engine that supports it, I guess, versus Kubernetes supports anything. And then, uh, you know, for some reason, the fifth one was we worked with pre-selected customers to test Tau VM performance, which I'm glad you worked with other customers who weren't me, but apparently you think that's worthy of me knowing about Tau VM. So there you go. That's the five things you need to know. But they're out there. If you are using some of the older VM classes, uh, really, this is your reminder to check out the new ones because they may be cheaper and faster for your workload and save you some money. Yeah, I feel like we need a top gear leaderboard uh, where you know, where we literally have just some benchmark that we run on every single one of these. And every single time they uh, they come out with a new processor, we run the benchmark and stick it on the leaderboard for price performance and for absolute price. I mean, the problem with all those things is that they're good at a, some point, right, when they first come out because they're 
they're kind of objective and they're just testing the hardware as I would anything. And then if your if your leaderboard gets popular, then all of a sudden all the cloud providers start trying to game the leaderboard. So then they start doing optimizations for the tests that you run. And you know, to be transparent about a leaderboard, you need to be really honest about what you're testing you are so people can say, yeah, that test is valid or not valid. And so you're really giving away all the secrets of what you're doing. And so then the cloud providers just, you know, basically make sure they win the leaderboard by optimizing exactly to that workload. Well, I tell you what, if we affect the development of processors and VMs, I would like put both arms up at touchdown. That would be spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if the cloud pod really, you know, needs to have the credibility, you know, so we don't have to publish our methods. We could just, you know, state this is we this is our evaluation. We're not going to tell you how it's done so that you can't game the system, you know. True. True. We could do or that. Or just <laughs> just advertise with us and maybe that'll help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, we're going with the, the Gartner model. Oh, I didn't realize. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't think about it from the revenue perspective. That's, uh, if one of our active listeners wants to help us build the, the cloud uh, pod uh, instance leaderboard, we will, we'll definitely talk to you in the Slack channel. You, you might maybe even do something. Not for money. Yeah, I, definitely, I definitely have some tools, not so much to, you know, from a virtual, because, you know, no one wants to see me do a UI, but... Uh, from the from the performance standpoint, I definitely have a way we could do we could run some tests. That'd be pretty cool. I actually yeah. would like to see you do a UI, just because I would like to see you take a spec from product management with a UI that you had to deliver and then actually do it. <laughs> like I'll tell you the what. Of, like I've seen you code and debug backend office stuff when it's not going well, and like just the swearing is so epic. But like to actually have something you actually have to match in code, and I could just, oh. Would, to see anger expressed in CSS would be would be impressive. Yeah, and, you know, I would be. I would pay money for that. I think <laughs> this might be a way to get money to monetize your Twitter followers. Just you know, <laughs> yeah. If you if you get the data in a in a SQL database, I would build the UI for it. Please don't put it in SQL Server. I can't afford. I'm not. That. I can't, I can't afford in, that. It's going to be in Dynamo. I mean, Dynamo. As long as there's a uh, as long as there's a Ruby on Rails. Um, <laughs> jump for it. I don't care. <laughs> nice. Well, in the uh, boring world of latest transfer appliances, because Google didn't have a fun name like Snowball, uh, they want to let you know that they've released a new version of their transfer appliance for the US, EU, and Singapore regions, providing you a simple, secure, cost-effective, and offline way to transfer petabytes of data from data centers and field locations into the Google Cloud. The transfer appliance can do a secure, high-performance data transfer and tamper-resistant, ruggedized design with all SSD storage as you write data fast while support for CMEK and AES-256 encryption protects data while it's in flight and helps you comply with industry-specific regulations, including ISO, SOC, PCI, and HIPAA. Uh, of course, they don't say what's really better about these devices, which I find sort of hilarious. Uh, but they do want you to know they're, they're new and improved in some way that they haven't told us. So, appreciate that. Just the fact that they're new by themselves, by itself, is an improvement, right? Shiny. Shiny. Smells like a new car. They're not so dented up because they haven't been shipped back and forth in UPS mm -hmm. trucks, you know, for six years. Yeah, and, yeah I get it. Uh, but if you are looking for that, they have new ones, so take advantage. I, SSD is an interesting choice for those because you know, in some cases, I don't want SSD because it's not as dense. So mm. for some workloads, I do, and some workloads, I don't. So I, the, having the choice is kind of nice, actually. For data transfer, yeah, would that be as much of a concern? I know for app, you know certain applications, you wanna you wanna have much more control over the rights and. Well, I mean, I mean. If you're trying to get data moved quickly, that's why you want the SSD and the appliance. That way you can write the data quickly and ship it back. 
Um, but if I'm trying to move petabytes of data, I don't know that, you know, if I can, if the data set's cold and I, I just need to get it there so I can do a big query on it, I don't know that I care about speed of writes because I can probably let it run for a couple weeks. Um, so I think there's a, a desire for both options. At least, mm. at least in my I guess mind. if there was savings involved, like, because that would be the difference, right? Sure. Cost savings. But also I think it's, I, I assume you have to have more transfer appliances if they're SSD, right? If I have if I have a petabyte and HSSD handles, you know, five terabytes, I might have to have a whole lot more of them. If they're SSD versus HDD, I might be able to get away. You know, I might be able to get 15, 20 terabytes per box. So there is a cost saving associated on the density. I wonder if that's uh, wonder if that's because it's easier to make them more rugged without any moving parts. Oh, for sure, for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. <laughs> yes, spinning disks versus non-spinning disks. Yes. <laughs> Head crash. Exactly. And I know the SSD disks aren't as big, but density-wise, I don't think there's, I don't think spinny disks compare very well. No. They right? Don't. There's just more, it takes more SSDs, right? Because the disks are smaller, but you can cram a lot more in a little box. That's true. You can yes. You can fit way more of them than spinning disks, but even those aren't typically as dense. That's just the only difference. Well, if you are using the cloud monitoring Grafana plugin uh, they announced a couple years ago, uh, you are going to be excited because there's some new features for you. And those new features include great enablers in, like a sample dashboards for Google Cloud services. So instead of uh, you know, connecting it to cloud monitoring and then writing your own dashboard for things like GKE, uh, they give you a predefined plugin or template dashboard for that. So that's pretty nice. Uh, you can now deep link directly from to Google Cloud Monitoring Metrics Explorer from inside of Grafana. So if you see a spike you're not so sure about, uh, but you don't have the, all the other data in Grafana, uh, you can just click that link right there and get right into cloud monitoring, which I think is nice. Uh, improved query interface that aligns with new dashboard creation flows, uh, and a new monitoring query language, which extends the cloud monitoring MQL language to work with the Grafana via plugin. So now if you are using uh, that MQL, you don't have to change your query language to go use Grafana, which I think is really cool. Uh, so those are pretty great features. Uh, I didn't actually know this existed. I missed the announcement, I think, when it came out the first time two years ago. Uh, but this is really cool. I, if I was on the Grafana side and I was doing Google, I'd be super excited about this. Yeah, Grafana is still one of my favorite tools for visualization metrics. Uh, and so I love these types of integrations. I I mean, Google's native platform is pretty good compared to the other cloud providers as well. So, you know, it, as much as, you know, that's it just gives more flexibility on the options you want, which is nice. Well, uh, there are some new security features in the redundant Cloud SQL for SQL Server. <laughs> uh, I love that name. Uh, on Google Cloud, <laughs> the three new security and scalability improvements are now available for you in general availability. Uh, we talked about them maybe briefly in preview versus the AD integration and cross-region replication. Uh, these were both announced in preview, previously talked about on the show, uh, now generally available to you. So with AD, you can simply log into Cloud SQL using your AD account managed by Google. And with the replication, you can now replicate it to Google any Google Cloud region for HA uh, purposes. Uh, you can also now leverage SQL Server 2019 in enterprise, standard, and web or express flavors. The new SQL Server 2019 has lots of great improvements, but on Google Cloud, you get accelerated database recovery from restarts and shutdowns, TempDB changes that are more optimized for the cloud, uh, intelligent query processing, and many other performance improvements uh, just by using it on top of Google Cloud, in addition to all the great features that Microsoft built into the product originally. Yeah, pretty tough to run production workloads without some of these features. So that's that's cool. It's all grown yeah. up. 
Well, I think it's where the, it's kind of interesting, you know, this idea of differentiating inside of your managed service, right? Like, oh, well, you know, we've gone and we've optimized the way the TempDB space works on a SQL Server. Like, that's kind of cool, you know. If you, you know, you may have a preference the way you do it on SQL Server you run yourself, but you know, if Google has a way that works best for their storage or their backend. Um, that's the reason why you're using Aurora, right? Because Aurora is an optimized uh, data layer for Postgres and MySQL. Um, so I, I love this idea. Like, I wish that all of the RDS and um, Azure and Google would all start competing on managed service features versus, you know, hey, we offer SQL Server 2019, which, great, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about it in terms of, like, doing a bake-off. If you've got an enterprise workload and you're you're comparing that on all the cloud providers, like, these types of enablements are going to differentiate you because your performance is going to be better because you've optimized. So smart play. We're going to pause here for another ad from one of our great sponsors. For listeners of the Cloud Pod, you know that I have no love for Microsoft Active Directory, which is why I'm excited to tell you about the leading cloud directory platform, JumpCloud. JumpCloud makes it easy to solve today's IT challenges by unifying device and user management through a single pane of glass, enabling you to securely manage your users and devices and perform common tasks like onboarding and offboarding remote workers. With JumpCloud, you no longer need to implement an on-premise Active Directory infrastructure or additional tooling to scope a user's access, and you can ensure that the user is coming from trusted devices and networks. Enabling JumpCloud's zero-trust solutions improves the security and compliance of your network, ensuring users have access only to the services they need when they need them. To start your organization's move to a modern, secure hybrid work model, try JumpCloud for free today at cloud.jumpcloud.com slash thecloudpod. That's cloud.jumpcloud.com slash thecloudpod. Moving on to Azure once again. Uh, so first one, you know, I had to ask who's in charge of the branding at Azure <laughs> as they're introducing <laughs> the ingestion client for Azure speech, which, you know, just on the surface of it, I'm like, I don't even know how these, how these two things are related other than I guess well, I ingest food and the same thing I speech out of. I, I, I don't how know. do you ingest speech? I don't know. You hear or listen. Oh. Like, why didn't they call it? Azure Listen or Azure Hear. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but for those of you who yeah. don't know what Azure Speech is, it's an Azure cognitive service that enables you to build scalable solutions that can handle a variety of speech-related tasks like transcribing audio, producing natural-sounding voices, recognize who is speaking, and handle speech translation. Uh, Azure announcing the Ingestion Client, an Azure solution that monitors your dedicated Azure storage container so that audio files landing in storage are automatically transcribed. The tool helps you set up a full-blown, scalable, and secure transcription pipeline through simple configuration without any development effort. So I like what it does. I still don't think it's named properly. Yeah. I'm calling it the Azure eardrum from now on. Why would, like, why? <laughs> no, it's fine. If you want to go with the obscure name, but I mean, you can also call this, you know, uh, transcription pipelines for Azure speech. <laughs> like, like, there's so many different names you could give this that would just make more sense. Uh, you know, typically Azure and Google are pretty, you know, the naming is a little bit on the nose. Uh, this one, not so much. If it was the lightning round, I would say that the ingestion client naming gives me indigestion. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. So not game time yet, Ryan. Not game time. I know. I'm warming up. <laughs> That's good. Warming up. up. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, you can streamline your custom image building process with the new Azure VM Image Builder service, now in general availability. The Builder is, of course, a managed service to help you build custom Linux or Windows VM images with ease and be compliant with your company's security policy across Azure and Azure Stack. Uh, the nice thing about Azure VM B Image Builder, and actually now connects to a story we talked about a couple weeks ago with Matt, uh, the MS managed service is built on top of HashiCorp Packer. <laughs> so we found the customer who's willing to pay HashiCorp to update the thing to go. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, which might be Microsoft. <laughs> it's like, hey, this this Python, or this uh, Ruby thing is not going to fly for us long term. Uh, but uh, you can now describe your custom images in a template using new or existing configurations and enable VM image building immediately without setting up and managing your own image building pipeline. Which I actually think, wish this is a way that AWS and Google built theirs. I wish they just said, we're going to suck in Packer files. I think that'd be awesome. Is Packer written in Ruby? Because we talked about Vagrant, oh, sorry, Vagrant moving right, from yes. Vagrant to Ruby. But no, yeah, Packer's, Packer, Packer's already in Go. Ugh, I can't keep Cash Core products straight. <laughs> it's, you know, you gotta, it's a full-time job. I actually think Packer was a byproduct of Vagrant because I think people saw the language they were using for configuration of the of the VM in Vagrant, and that's where Packer actually got spun out of. Uh, so they are sort of related in my mind. Yeah, definitely. But yes, you're right. That was, uh, that was Vagrant. You now manage your digital transformation at scale for retail with cloud adoption and framework for Azure. Uh, so again, verticalization of cloud, win for the win. <laughs> Azure is building out a cloud adoption framework for retail with a focus on helping with personalization, omnichannel optimizations, and supply chain optimizations. And Microsoft actually defines it into four stages of digital retail maturity, from siloed retail, which is little to no cloud adoption, to uh, connected retail, which is you know starting to use cloud-enabled technologies, analytics-driven retail, which is really using common data models and preparing for future growth, and then intelligent retail using, of course, the buzzwords AI and ML <laughs> to build custom <laughs> solutions for retail. Uh, I, I like the idea. I think there is a maturity scale for retail customers that should probably be discussed. I definitely don't know if I take it from the cloud lens, but I think there is a you know, retail customers who are just selling in a store to retail customers who have a web digital presence with mobile and web enabled to then customers who retail customers who are then adopting things like loyalty and, and different marketing techniques. Um, I think there is some interesting transition there. So I hope that uh, Microsoft actually kind of broadens this out beyond just the Azure lens because I think there's so much more in this story that they could be driving from a transformation perspective. Mm, that's interesting. Like, so expanding the, that framework across... Like, you know, office suites or? Well, really, just really, you you know. By expanding outside of Azure. I think it's expanding outside of Azure, right? You know, if you're really talking about cloud adoption framework is really part of a digital strategy, right? And so there's really a digital transformation story happening in retail that's much bigger than just Azure. And I think you could couple both of them together. And Microsoft has, of course, solutions for all of these needs, (laughs) not just Azure. Um, I wish this would kind of tie back into a much larger uh, digital transformation strategy for retail at Microsoft in general that I think is more interesting. I see. Okay. So it's more just... So generic strategy and then then add the pinpoint solutions. Correct. I think it's kind of fun that they basically lifted the term cloud adoption framework straight from AWS and then they're targeting a specific industry that is nervous about leveraging AWS because they're owned by Amazon. Yes, well done. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, the thing you think is awesome, cloud adoption framework, we have that on Azure for retail. Yeah, uh-huh. well, well done. Well, well done. We don't compete with you. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Announcing Amazon's online store. <laughs> Microsoft's <laughs> online store. Well, if you are a person using Red Hat JBoss, uh, EAP, uh, for all your app service needs, uh, this is now generally available to you as well. Uh, Azure has partnered with Red Hat to offer the JBoss EAP on app service, uh, which lets their customers have a managed platform for their Java enterprise applications and peace of mind that comes with joint support from Microsoft and Red Hat. And with it being generally available, you can now deploy apps on Red Hat JBoss EAP on app services with no Red Hat subscription or license required, which I guess means I don't talk to a sales rep, which I'm always down for. But if you're using JBoss and you don't have a sales rep, <laughs> I don't know how you did it beforehand. So. <laughs> Uh, nice to see uh, additional app services available for Microsoft, though. Yeah, and, and traditionally not Windows workloads, right? So it's a good expansion. For sure. Surprised they didn't say 
Azure has partnered with IBM. I don't know if that's a good mark or a bad mark at this moment. <laughs> like, <laughs> is it better to say IBM or is it better to say Red Hat? I don't that's know. Like, that's it is question. what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. All right. Well, that is it for new news this fantastic week here before the fourth. How about we go to the lightning round? All right. Let's talk first about the expansion of public preview of on-demand disk bursting for premium SSD to more regions at Azure. Uh, well, I mean, Azure wasn't in the title, but just the fact that it said premium SSD, I knew right away it was only Azure. Yeah. <laughs> it could only be. I don't know. Disk bursting sounds bad to me. I don't think I want that service. Yes. <laughs> you don't want your disks to burst? <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, AWS DevOps monitoring dashboard solution 1.1 is adding support for AWS code build and AWS code pipeline related metrics. Uh, so Amazon, too, is also confused about what DevOps is and has now pivoted to the definition of DevOps that includes the CI/CD team. Perfect. Yeah. This is uh, this is targeted towards that one team that refused to migrate their build pipeline off of AWS. <laughs> you know, the company decided on Azure. The strategy went that way, but there's that one holdout team. It's like, I'm not giving it up. Yes. And, and that company that has a development team, a DevOps team, an SRE team, and an ops team. Mm-hmm. Moving on, CloudWatch adds 14 new metric math functions. Remember when Ryan said earlier about how great Google Cloud monitoring is? This is the opposite of that, because now I have to do <laughs> math in my monitoring. You just can do it. You don't have to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. just there for your convenience. Until, until you realize, like, oh, I want to do this thing that does require a mathematical function to even be properly sized because of the way the CloudWatch dashboard shows the data and the timescale series messes it up, and then you had to... Uh, so what I want to know is, is this the new Common Core math functions or is this the, the Ooh. old traditional math Ooh, functions? yeah. Common Core. So we had to draw, like, squares and lines on my paper to do math? <laughs> yeah. Do you think those, just do, numbers? Do they your metrics? Do they support those lines and stuff in the console? <laughs> like I can yeah, draw dots. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Amazon Document DB, yes, with MongoDB compatibility, now supports R5.8XLs and R5.16XL instances. It just shows that Google, Amazon's even more confident that uh, they can keep your MongoDB running because they're just going to go with bigger and bigger memory for more and more corruption. Perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you can now configure GitHub Actions workflows with a new GitHub Action for building serverless applications. Uh, the redundancy redundancy department again, once again. GitHub workflows <laughs> yeah. with GitHub Actions. Okay, so the mar- which marketing are both is serverless. still failing. Yeah, all serverless yeah. at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Use the serverless serverless to build serverless. Yeah, it's perfect. It's turtles all the way down. <laughs> AWS Control Tower announces accessibility, console, and performance improvements. I mean, it's nice that you gave a new console, but how about an API? Can I get an API? Hmm. <laughs> no. One of the only services that doesn't have an API. Can I get an API, please? They're announcing these things like they're, you know, these performance improvements, but I really read these things as they've made, you know, the control power UI like usable at all because it's really not great. <laughs> Remember the good old days when Amazon vowed to offer everything by API first? I mean, they didn't say it wasn't a private API. I mean, I'm sure there's an API somewhere. It's just not for immediate use. People who want Control Tower probably don't want, want an API anyway. I mean, can I get a, a Control Tower Studio so I can do it with low-code, no-code? <laughs> yeah, that's what I want, no-code. No-code APIs. AWS Client VPN launches desktop client for Linux. Showing that Linux on the desktop is still a thing somewhere. I really wish... Uh, 
I knew which episode we that they they announced the original client VPN just because I remember specifically Jonathan saying, what, no Linux support? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was quite a while ago. <laughs> I think I know two people who are happy about this announcement. I think I think he actually put a PFR in for it, in fact. <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> <laughs> AWS Lambda now supports SASL and plain authentication for functions triggered from self-managed Apache Kafka. I just want some plain vanilla yogurt. Why do I have all this complication? Google joins the ORAN Alliance to advance telecommunication networks. Ah, here, let me give you the right thing for that. That's how I feel about that announcement. I ran away. That's spectacular. Uh, Common Core had the victory the entire time until we went multimedia. The first, oh. the first, and sorry, Ryan, I, know I always like to, like to, when Ryan finally jumps in there, I like to uh, reward him. It's like rewarding the big man for running down the, down the court with a layup. But uh, first multimedia answer ever gets the win. Showed up to a gunfight with a knife. You know, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So. Uh, yes. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that point. It was fun. To, I, I, when I saw this, I was like, I got to come up with a good, play on that and then the song came to mind and that was that was best spectacular was pretty good yes yeah advancements in technology for the win yeah exactly <laughs> i mean eventually we'll get the soundboard over to jonathan and he'll actually live read ads for us which would be really cool versus editing them in later oh so oh next lightning round i'm gonna like say anything with a boom box over my head there you go that'd be awesome <laughs> contest, yeah. so. perfect there are actually ways to insert audio <laughs> without having the soundboard that i have but uh you know you can if you figure that out you can you can come to the gunfight <laughs> with a gun so yeah <laughs> All right. Well, of course, the 4th of July holiday uh, just passed you by. And so that means we're fully into July, which means that we are getting ever closer to the Security Summit and the Retail and Consumer Goods Summit for Google Cloud. Uh, all good things, all good things, of course, if you're in either of those spaces. Uh, State of FinOps update is coming up in the uh, July, right around the time that this episode drops. So if you're listening to the episode the day it drops, uh, you can still sign up for the FinOps update uh, for July, which I think is on the 8th of July, in fact. And then, of course, we are one month closer to August, which means it's kind of to melt in Houston with AWS Reinforce for all your barbecue, sweat, and all the things you need, and security. So, hey, win, win. All available to you in Houston, Texas, coming August 24th through 25th. Uh, we do need to make a decision if we're going to lightning or we're going to do a prediction show for that. Uh, it's kind of a gamble, but I feel like we haven't done it in a while, and I feel like the listeners are demanding such a thing, and so we, we should probably try that for Reinforce, although we may swing and a miss like we did last time for the big goose egg. That might be part of the, the you know, the appeal for our listeners. Yeah, well, I, I you know, so I'm putting you guys on notice <laughs> that I think, we're gonna, I think we're going to do it. So, right. you know, in August, you need to be prepared for the draft. Uh, and maybe we'll do the draft style where I just go do all the research and I just give you guys a list of things to pick from. Uh, that way, that way, we don't have to do a lot of research, because <laughs> uh, technically, that's how the other draft that we copied ours from does it. Is they they pick all the topics in advance and then they they choose off the list. Ah, uh, that's kind of fun. Nice. That's kind of fun. That way, you you don't have that issue. Uh, but uh, you know, I kind of like the the scouring the web and just kind of figure out what we because you know, we all come from different angles, so it's a little different for us. But uh, we'll see how that goes. And then, of course, still November 29th is going to be reinvent in Las Vegas. 
be there or be square. The Cloud Pod will be there once again. Uh, so we look forward to meeting all of our listeners there. Uh, we may do a T-shirt. We may do something so you can show your Cloud Pod love at reInvent if you'd like to. Um, I'm sure there are also going to be other opportunities, especially with the AWS InfiniDash announcements this week, which we did not cover on the show. <laughs> Uh, because it's not a real thing, but uh, you know, someone on Twitter basically said, "Oh, sorry, yes. I'm putting it on my job description." Yeah, I'm gonna totally put it. <laughs> uh, someone basically said they could parody the whole announcement process from AWS by announcing a new product called AWS InfiniDash, uh, which has just turned into a, a world of fun if you're on the Twitter cloud world, uh, as people are looking for you know people with five years of experience of InfiniDash, uh, all kinds of good fun. Uh, so that's been a fun little space. Uh, we might cover that a little bit more next week, maybe parody that for you guys as well, just because uh, it came a little too quick for us this week, but uh, we will, we'll try to jump in the next week because it's fun. As the story develops. As the story develops. And the features get announced. Mm-hmm. You know, GM of that product is Corey uh, Quinn, which is always always a plus. So. And as the, the cease and desist orders come out. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe very true. All right. Well, that is it for another fantastic week here in the cloud. Enjoy the rest of your week and next. Bye, everybody. Good night. See ya. And that is the week in the cloud. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Foghorn Consulting and Jump Cloud. Check out our website, the home of the Cloud Pod, where you can join our newsletter, Slack team, and send feedback or ask questions at thecloudpod.net or tweet us with the hashtag thecloudpod. Cloud Pod.